Good morning. It's a privilege and an honor, as always, to come and share God's word with you. So without any further ado, I just wanted to say that the worship was wonderful, and I really enjoyed it, and thank you to the worship team and the choir. I would like to also say thank you to everyone that has shared their stories about Faith Promise. It's a beautiful time that we are in where we can find ourselves uh, playing a role, not just in our context, but in other people's context. So as we begin, you know that we've been on the series of being ready and be ready. And I would like to just take on from what Pastor Louis has been sharing in the last five weeks or so. And we're going to read this morning from John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We are reading from John chapter 16 from verse 17 to 33. Don't worry, we're going to make it. If you are there, say amen. I'm reading from the NIV version, and it will also show on the screens. The disciples' grief will turn to joy. Verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Amen. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, no chance. The Father himself loves you because you loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figure of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Really? Verse 31, do you believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. Amen. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let us bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are here this morning with us. That, Lord, you have an appointment with each one of us this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, your word that is life, your word that is bread, the word that is water to our souls, to our spirit. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as we unpack and as we look, what did you mean by these words, Lord? So much that, that you said, Lord, but it was even difficult for the disciples to process it. But Lord, this morning you want us to process it in your presence so we know what you meant when you said, I have overcome the world. And that we will have joy and joy everlasting. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture, and I would like to give you some bit of an intro on it. If you actually read from this portion of, of Scripture, everything else starts off in chapter 13 of, of John. In chapter 13, Jesus is setting up and he's sitting with his, with his disciples. He's telling them what's going to take place. He's telling them this is what's going to happen to you. He's speaking to his disciples. He's telling them that they need to know and understand that this is what needs to happen in order for God's kingdom to fully come on earth. And so in chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, Jesus is covering this whole portion of scripture. Everything else happens in one scene. It's in one evening. He tells the disciples of his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. He tells his disciples, listen, I will be prosecuted, I will be, I will be judged wrongly. All these things he tells them in all these chapters. Because Jesus doesn't want them to be in a close place where they are not aware what's going to take place. These were his disciples. What made it difficult for the disciples is this. Jesus has been with them for the last three years. They've seen Jesus, especially in John, we get some clear path and, and pathway that Jesus took on all his miracles. He didn't just do miracles for the show of it. The miracles had a reason why they existed. And so they saw Jesus raising people from the dead, for example. Yo, yo, yo. They saw Jesus making the blind see. The lame walked. They saw Jesus, when he didn't have enough money for the temple's tax, he sent them to go and catch fish, and in the mouth of the fish, they found money. Ish. Those were the good times. They saw Jesus doing this thing. I heard that now, this past week, somebody just won 225 million of lotto. The question is, are you here? Faith promise, eh? <laughs> Jesus could do all these miracles. 
Jesus did all this and they saw him. For the last three years, he did incredible things. He was never broke. He had all the money that he needed. He prayed for people. He was encouraging them. Everywhere they went, they felt that Jesus is the guy they want to be with. Now, deep down in their hearts, we are not told in the scripture, but we know history of the Israel. They tell us this is what the context was. The Roman Empire ruled the whole of Jerusalem, and they knew that in this place, the Roman rule was clear and straight, and there was no one who could actually overthrow it. But deep down inside, they hoped and they believed that Jesus was the guy, the Messiah who was going to come and overthrow the kingdom of the Romans. And so they were walking around with him. They even tell him, we left everything for you. Interesting is that after all that, Jesus has come into this point with them, point in time with them, and he tells them, guys, I'm, I'm about to go. Guys, I'm about to leave. Can you imagine the feeling in the disciples' hearts, in their minds? Jesus, what do you mean? Habemuna, I left my work. I left my church. I left everything to follow you. I thought you were going to be the one to overthrow the Roman Empire and become a king. I thought you were going to be the one to make us the most powerful nation in the world. And now you are saying you are leaving. What do you mean you are leaving? Oh, you can't leave, Muna. <laughs> they were not bold and brave to tell him that. Because they know Jesus, hey, he's powerful. And so they, 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 they speak alone and they say, what does he mean? We don't understand. What does he mean when he says he's leaving? It can't be. And so in these chapters, chapter 13 to chapter 16, there's this confusion. The confusion is, why is he leaving? Why must he leave? Why is he doing this? What's going to happen to us when he leaves? Is he not going to overthrow the Roman Empire? Is this not the Messiah? Can you hear the doubt? Can you hear the fears creeping in to their hearts? They're wondering what's going to happen to them. They've given everything but what's going to happen to them? Perhaps you are here this morning and you are saying, Lord, I have given you everything. Lord, I have laid down everything. I've done everything that you said I must do. But Lord, I feel like I'm on my own. Jesus comes in this chapter, in chapter 16. In verse 17, he just told them from verse 1 that they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be killed. People will feel that if they kill the disciples, they'll be doing God a favor. That's how bad it's going to be. But in verse 17, verse 16, verse 17, we start to read. Jesus is responding to these fears. Jesus responds to this doubt that is busy simmering in their hearts. And Jesus says to them, in a little while, you will see me, and in a little while, you will see me no more. Now, we know that Jesus might be speaking about his death and resurrection. We know that he might be speaking about uh, going back to the Father and coming back. We know that it might be any of those things. But he tells them, in a little while, you will see me. In a little while, you will see me no more. 
So from this portion of scripture, I would like to highlight four main points. Four main points. The first point is this. Jesus tells them, in a little while, you will see me, and in a little while, you will see me no more. And I'm about to go back to the Father. But what does this mean? Jesus says, I'm about to leave you. So the first point is this. The benefit of Jesus' departure. The benefit of Jesus' departure. How does it benefit the disciples that Jesus is leaving? How does it benefit them? Does it make sense? Doesn't make sense. Why is he leaving? Jesus cannot leave. He says, I'm leaving and I'm going back to the Father. I'm going, I'm leaving you guys. It doesn't make sense. Why is he leaving? He shouldn't leave. And so Jesus' departure is very interesting. In the departure, Jesus warns the disciples. He warns them and he says, I warn you, but in a little while. You see, everything else that we go through in this life, it's only for a little while. It's only for a little while, in a little while. But still, the question remains, then Jesus, in a little while, what does it mean? In a little while, the disciples will experience grief. The disciples will experience persecution. They will experience a difficulty in their walk for the Lord. So now, Jesus, you're about to leave. What's going to happen to us? Jesus told them in an earlier chapter that he will send them the counselor. The Holy Spirit will come and he will be their comforter. He will be their comforter. Now, here is almost like a mystery, but for Jesus it was very clear, and later he explained it to the disciples. Jesus was fully man, and he was in the flesh, but Jesus could only be at one place at any time. At any given time, Jesus can be in one place. He can only be in Pretoria, at a given time, at a given time. He couldn't be everywhere all the time because he was flesh. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he resides in our hearts, he is able to be everywhere. Imagine with me. They say, if you want to see Jesus, there by mainland Maine, there's offices there. He's coming, he's, if he was around, they say, no, there in there's offices there, you can come and, and consult. From between five and five, Jesus will be in this place. But Jesus had a much bigger vision. His vision was that his, his presence can be in each and every one of us. He didn't want geography to restrict him. That you find that Jesus can only be in Djibouti, 
Guatemala. Jesus can only be in Denmark at any given time. Jesus wanted to be everywhere all the time. His departure was a benefit to not only the disciples, his departure was a benefit to all of us to have access to him, to have a relationship with him, to engage with him, to speak to him, to connect with him, to hear his voice. Jesus wanted to be inside of each and every one of us who will accept him in, his, in, in our lives. And so that's why he says to the disciples, I am leaving, but it's for your benefit. And that's why it was so confusing. What are you talking about? But Jesus doesn't hide it from them. He tells them everything that they need to know. Jesus wants them, and he tells them that in a little while, it will be difficult. In a little while, you will go through challenges. In a little while, God might feel like he's not there. But in a little while, all that will change. I don't know what the Lord is doing in your life, what he's saying in your life. Sometimes it's tough because we go through difficult things in a little while. But joy is everlasting. His joy is everlasting. Not because of joy like happiness. Woohoo! No. Joy is a person. Joy is Jesus. Because even when you go through difficulties and challenges and pain, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so Jesus tells them, my departure is good because the Holy Spirit will come, he will reside in you, you will be able to do life, you'll be able to withstand difficulty, pain and suffering and the persecution that you're gonna experience. Jesus tells them, it's good that I leave. The second point was this. The blessing of the Holy Spirit's presence. The blessing of the Holy Spirit's presence. Him being in our lives, he becomes the comforter. He becomes the one we can speak to. He becomes the one we can engage with. But then Jesus reassures his disciples. He tells them that your joy will be complete. He assures them, guys, it's not going to be all bad throughout. It will turn around. It will all change. Your joy will be complete. It may not be complete now, but it will be complete. It may be hard now, but I assure you, it's good. Some years ago, when I was still young, <laughs> you know where this is going, hey? Years ago when I was still young, uh, my dad would give us this castor oil. And uh, castor oil was um, a laxative uh, medication, some sort of a medication. Um, and so you would drink it, it's a bit of an oil if you haven't uh, seen it. It's a bit of an oil, you, you drink it, but it tastes, yeah! <laughs> and so I would normally say and negotiate this with my, with my dad. I said, my dad, 
I don't want this thing. She says, he, so he would tell me, no, 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 no. Son, you, you, you eat a lot of sweets. Um, you know, too much baby jellies. Um, <laughs> you have too much cold drink. You have too much sugar stuff. No, your stomach needs to be detoxed. And I'm like, how oh, woman? Hey, I don't want to do this. But then my dad would give me castor oil, and then I would go, and then he, but then he would tell me just before he gives it to me, he would say to me, it's only going to be for a little while. Just swallow as quick as you can. So I would drink it, and I would swallow, and it would be, and then it would be done. <laughs> the castor oil was terrible for my mouth, but it was awesome for my stomach. <laughs> and so, sometimes, the little while, it's only a taste in our mouth, in our lives. It's only a taste, only for that little while that it gets a bit difficult. But Jesus tells these disciples, and he says to them, listen, the Holy Spirit will always be present with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is there with you. Have you called him recently? Have you asked for his help? Have you requested him to help you, to assist you, to carry you? And so the Holy Spirit presence, Jesus tells them, it will always be there with you. Because hardship and what you're going to go through will only be for a little while. It will only be for a little while. And so I felt this morning just as I was praying, even last night preparing this message, that you might feel you are in a place where you say, God, I need your reassurance. I need your reassurance in my life. I need you to, to speak to me. I need, I need to engage with you. I feel like you are distant, Lord. I don't sense your presence in my life. I would like to invite you to stand and we pray this morning that God's presence will be experienced. You will know that he is with you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I want to pray with each and everyone here who says, Lord, I need your reassurance that you are here with me, that I can hold on to you even when it's not easy. If you are here, I would like to pray with you. And those that are around, can you please put your hand on them as we trust and we believe that the Lord wants to touch and reassure each and every person that is standing. Father, I want to thank you that you know where each person is at, their season and their lives, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will reassure them of your presence, that you will never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will fill them even in this time. That it will not be only about feelings and circumstances, but it will be about you. That it will be about you in their lives. And so I pray, Lord, that your presence may be felt, may be experienced, that they will see you move like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The third main point I wanted to highlight out of this scripture 
We spoke now about the benefit of Jesus' departure. We spoke about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And now we want to look at our main third point, which is the abundance of the Father's provision. The abundance of the Father's provision. Jesus says to them, up to so far you haven't asked for anything. But ask in my name and I will answer you. Jesus promises them. Jesus promises them your prayers will be answered. Your prayers will be answered. But can you imagine for them, it's like, why must we go through so much, but yet our prayers will be answered? What is the point, Lord? But Jesus says to them, ask in my name. You don't even have to ask anymore. Just come directly to the Father, and he will give it to you. He will give you what you need. And so Jesus says to them, guys, there's so much provision that God has for you. Prayers will be answered. That is the guarantee that Jesus gave his disciples. When you ask in my name, he will hear you and he will answer you. Interesting, he says, and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete when your prayers are answered. But God is not just only on the disciples. He knew that the message meant for everyone who will come to the knowledge of Jesus. They will experience the provision of the Father. They will experience the goodness of the Father in their lives. And so he gives them this promise. Prayers will be answered. God knows what you are saying in your heart, your silent prayers, what you're going through in your life. And so your prayers will be answered. But Jesus is incredible, you see, because in the midst of all this, they haven't gone through all these things. And so we know for a fact that John was written just later after the other, the other Gospels. And so it was in this time that it was almost like a reminder to them that this is what you must remember is going to happen. And so we read a story in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it's the story of Paul and Silas. And in the story, there is a challenge. They just been thrown into jail because they prayed for someone to be delivered of the Spirit. And so now they're thrown into jail because they did this. And when they're in jail, they start singing. They start praising God. They start to remember, they start to remember what were the words that Jesus left for the disciples to say that the Father has given them all that they need, that they are, their suffering will be only for a little while. And so the Bible says that the other jailers was, heard them singing. They were singing praise songs. They were praying. And so I can imagine, this is just me, I can imagine that perhaps it's Silas. Silas says to Paul, Hey man, we've prayed, 
But perhaps because the joy of the Lord is their strength, remember, that the joy, Jesus himself, is in their hearts, that they start to praise and they, and they go and they say, hey, Paul, you know, man, remember that song that we used to sing at Annette's house? I'm changing my sorrow. I'm changing my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I can imagine Paul saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. And they start singing and they say, it was great to be at Annette's house. We used to do this, we used to praise, we used to, oh, God is good to us. But Paul, being Paul, I can imagine this. He says to Silas, Silas. Hey, I also remember a song. And this song, we sang it at the Indunas. <laughs> and we used to sing this song. Kenali modisa, kenali modi. Kitabe ki tokan, kitabe ki. So, ki ai pizza, ki ai pizza, je. Modi mo yo pilang, yo di mo yo. The Bible says that in that scene, I'm sure it was with this song, because the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says the earthquake took place, and the doors of the prison, they opened. Man, it wasn't when they were crying, it wasn't when they were sad, it was when they were praising. Because our joy is not based on circumstance. Our joy is not from other things. Our joy is the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is our joy. And so the Father has provided us with all that we need to go through these challenges. And it's not only for us. If I'm full of joy, I'm able to pass it on, isn't it? And so we are to be contagious. We are to bring in God's harvest. Others who don't know this joy, the joy being Jesus. That they may know this joy. That they may know the Father's provision. And the fourth Point was this, the joy and the victory of the disciples. The joy and victory for the disciples. And in this place, we, we know for a fact that Jesus is where he tells them, in this world, you will have trouble. Are you a follower of Jesus? Trouble is guaranteed to come your way. It's the truth. 
Because Jesus can't lie. You love me? Yes, Lord. You're going to suffer. Oh. Because it's true. But in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You are an overcomer. 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 Is it because of you? No, it's because of Jesus. Jesus living inside of us. And so may it be that we know that the Lord is for us, that God is in us, that God wants to do things through us, that God wants to change the world with us. What a privilege of knowing Jesus. And so I would like, if Anne can just give me my bag, I would like to leave you with an illustration. Whenever you are a VIP, I heard, (laughs) whenever you are a VIP, Whenever you are a VIP, uh, I saw now when um, there's a, sh- a big show that's going to take place and everything, they normally wear these. At the World Cup in South Africa also, they wear these. At athletics, they wear these. And so I brought my own because when you're a VIP, you need to have one. <laughs> I'm joking. But what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was doing, he was putting these on every single disciple. He was saying to them, I'm giving you the backstage pass. I'm going to let you know what's going to happen. I'm going to get you to know who's going to play what role, how it's going to look like, who's going to do what. Because when you have a backstage pass, you walk with confidence. When you walk in, nobody asks you, what are you doing here? You walk in because you have a backstage pass. This morning, while I was preparing, I felt the Lord say that whoever takes my word and they believe it and they apply it in their lives, they have this backstage pass. You have a backstage pass to go in and say, Lord, I belong to you. And because you have this backstage pass, when trouble comes, you don't go, yo. When trouble comes, you say, hey, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he loves me. I know that he's for me because you've got a backstage pass. You know how the story ends. And because you know how the story ends, you walk in victory. You walk in joy. Amen. Please stand. The question is this morning, 
Now that you know you have your backstage pass, are you ready for joy? Are you ready for joy in him? Are you ready to go out and make a difference and bring in a harvest, the harvest that he already has prepared to make a difference, to be the joy, to be the salt, to be the light in the world around us? And so I would like for you to put out your hands like this and just let's be in a receptive mode where we say, Lord, we, we thank you that joy is from you, that you are our joy, that we don't have to make it work, that, Lord, you are the one that has called us, called us, Lord, to be the difference in the world. When everybody cries and moans, we remember that we have a backstage pass. We know how the story ends because you have allowed us to have access. And thank you, Lord, that this morning, each and every one of us here, we will walk out with the joy of the Lord. That we will walk out with you in our lives. Knowing that you, God, are our joy and we hold on to you. And so, Father, I pray your blessing over your people. I ask, Lord, that you will be the one that shines your face upon them. May you give them peace. May you walk with them. May they hear your voice, Lord, telling them not this way, that way. Not this, but that. And I pray, my Lord, that they will experience the blessing, the benefit, the provision of having a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you and... Bless you and uh, may you have a blessed week ahead. There will be pastors here to pray for you individually if there's something that you feel you need to be prayed for. And may you have a blessed week and there will be also baptism this morning. Thank you so much. Amen.